Hey everyone, I'm so pumped to be with you for another Campus Pastor Sunday here at our online location. It's been really good uh, getting to go through Revelation, but really excited to kind of pivot and use this Sunday as an opportunity just to tell you what's been on my heart and then uh, get ready for the next series that we're rolling into. And I know that, like Nikki said, we've got a lot of you um, who are maybe some unfamiliar faces at the online location. So I want to let you know, pumped that you guys are with us, uh, pumped that you decided to join us. We understand the safety. We understand staying home. That's why we have this avenue. Um, so I'm glad you guys are using it this morning. I'm glad you're hanging out with us. Don't be afraid to engage with us in the comment section. Don't be afraid to give us your thoughts and, and kind of have this conversation with us this morning as we go. But there is something on my heart this morning. There is a conversation uh, that I want to have, and it's in light of some of the conversations that we've been having as a staff, and it's in light of some of the conversations that I've been having with our students, and just all those things kind of mesh together and, and gelling together and, and really just uh, convicting me and, and showing me that, man, we, we're missing the mark a lot of the times. And so that's the conversation I want to have this morning, just for you, but also for me. This is a conversation I've been having with myself and making sure that I'm hitting those good markers too. Um, and so it should be a good one. Last week at the Lake City location, uh, we're listening to Pastor Chip, and Pastor Chip is um, he's, he's asking a question of us, a reflective question that I think um, was really kind of perspective shifting, right? And the question was, basically, if our church, just our church, just the orchard, started to take the lostness in our community seriously and started to take the gospel seriously, what kind of impact could that have on our community. And so I'm thinking about that question he asked, and then uh, we're also reading a book as a staff right now called Hero Maker, and the whole point of this book is to think uh, multiplication growth and not just uh, addition growth and, and, and pointing to some awesome uh, moments in the life of the church to show this growth and how exponential this growth, growth has been throughout the history of the church and showing that, man, God is still in the business of doing exponential growth, but it starts with us. It starts with the individual. And so as Chip asks that question last week, what does it look like if just us, just the Orchard Community Church, the people that make up the Orchard Community Church, what if just us, if we start to take the gospel and the implications of the gospel seriously? What would that do for our community? How would that move um, the needle of lostness in our community? I think it's a great question, and I think it's a question that we should reflect on, um, and I think it's a question that if we reflect on could have a serious rippling effect in our communities. I think if we take that question seriously, it could genuinely and drastically change um, the way that our community looks, the way that we live our lives. And so uh, now think about if we take that seriously, it has a big impact, and then follow-up question, okay, now what if other local churches start to take that seriously? What if they start to take the needle of lostness in their communities seriously? And they start to believe that it's something that we can have an effect on. Then that ripple effect becomes even bigger. And then what if every single local believer from every single local church starts to have that same mindset? Same mindset of, man, I've got an ability to move the needle of losses. I've got an ability to have an eternal impact on the lives of people and people around me and in my community it would have an even greater ripple effect, stuff that we haven't seen or maybe haven't seen in a long time. Um, but the problem is we don't do that, right? right? Like I feel like that's a perspective shift because it's a perspective we don't have. That's where the, the shift is implied, right? In me, there's something uh, that I have to come to terms with and say, okay, I'm not doing that. Why am I not doing that? Why is that a convicting question for me? Why is that a question that I haven't pondered before, right? Why? Why am I struggling with that question uh, of taking the gospel seriously? And I think, honestly, um, I, I kind of had several answers in my head for myself as I'm, as I'm walking through this, right? There's several answers for AJ as I'm asking myself the question, okay, why are we not taking, why are you not taking um, gospel implications as seriously as you possibly could be, right? 
Is it doubt? That's the first question I ask myself. Is it doubt? Is doubt the reason that you're not taking these things maybe as seriously as you could be? And for you, is it doubt, right? Because do we doubt the things that we talk about and the visions that we dream about? Do we doubt that they're actually within arm's reach? Do we doubt that, that we're actually capable of seeing God move like he has in the past? Do we doubt that, that he's still in the business of doing things or that, that me, somebody relatively insignificant in the grand scheme of things maybe, do I doubt that, that God can use me for those things? Because if it's doubt, I'm not sure that it should be. If it's doubt, I think what doubt does, I think it, it, it just reveals um, what, we've, what we've done and what we've, what we've believed about the circumstances in front of us and not believed about the God that, that we say we love and the God that we say we lean into, right? Because if we look across the globe, maybe not so much in America, um, but if we look across the globe, one of the things that we, we discussed in that roundtable discussion with our books is that Christians are still experiencing these big dreams and these big visions of, of God multiplying their communities, right? In India, uh, we just saw the, the church in India hit a 3.5 million person growth, right? Because every person in that local community decided to say, hey, I'm going to take this seriously, and I'm going to believe that Jesus is going to do something, and I'm going to fulfill my duties to love people and to share the gospel with people. And every person took that seriously, and India experienced a 3.5 million believer growth in the local church, right? In that interview, as we're reading that book, the question was asked to the guy, so what are your expectations? And his expectations were that we add 500,000 more this year. Right? That's crazy. That's stuff that's not even on my radar because <clears throat> I feel like I'm just so locked into my little world right in front of me, and maybe that's you too. Maybe you've neglected to think about those things because you don't think they happen anymore. Um, but don't doubt because those are real believers in real places having real conversations that are leading to real growth. And so if it's doubt, I'm not sure that it should be because the same God in India is the same God that we serve right here in America. And the second question, is it doubt? The second question maybe, is it neglect, Right? Is it neglect? Do we neglect uh, the things that we should be doing? Do we, do we neglect having those hard conversations because it's the hard thing to do? Do we neglect going into hard places with, with people who we love because we don't want to risk or jeopardize uh, relationships? Do we neglect to do those things because it's a little uncomfortable um, and it gets me outside of my routine, right? Do we neglect those things? Because if, if it's neglect... I'm not sure that it should be because if we truly believe these things, if we truly believe the gospel, then it should take the number one priority in our lives every single day, right? The church and parts of the world that don't have the resources we have seem to lean in even harder and pursue Jesus even more because it's the only thing that matters to them, right? And so if it's neglect, it's probably neglect because we're putting other things in place of the gospel and we're neglecting our time spent with the gospel. We're neglecting our time spent with people who need to hear the gospel, right? So is it neglect? If it is, I'm not sure that it should be because that probably reveals something more about us, more about me, more about you and the time that we spend uh, doing other things as opposed to leaning in and believing the truths of the gospel. Because at the end of the day, if that's what matters, then that's the thing that should take our priority. And the third thing I was kind of asking myself as I'm walking through this question of why, why don't we do this? Why don't we take it more seriously? The third question I kind of asked myself is, is it ignorance? Do we just genuinely, uh, as a people, as a church, do we just not know how important this is, right? Do we not know the implications that it could have? Do we not, do we not think those questions because those questions aren't thoughts that have ever been spurred in us because we've never taken the conversation that far, right? Is it ignorance? And if it's ignorance, then shame on us and shame on, uh, for those of you who don't know the gospel, right? For those of you who are leaning into this conversation today and, and you've never had this conversation, then shame on your Christian friends who have never leaned into this. If your ignorance, if ignorance is the thing that we're struggling with, then shame on us 
And for those of you that are listening for the first time who don't know the gospel, shame on your friends for not diving into that conversation with you, right? Because ignorance is entirely up to us. After all, that's the most important conversation that we ever get to have. And then I'm thinking about this, and I'm thinking about these three questions, and I'm kind of asking myself if I've been fair uh, to the reality of the situation that we're in as an American church, and we're seeing um, numbers not grow, and, and we're only excited about a couple thousand, whereas India's getting excited about a couple million, right? And I'm asking myself, am I really being fair with just those three questions? And I'm, and I'm having this conversation, and I'm fleshing it out, and um, I'm asking myself, okay, maybe, maybe there's one more question. What if we just started to take the gospel more seriously, maybe there's one more question that leads to us not taking the gospel more seriously, um, and, and that's this question. Are we not taking the gospel more seriously? Are we not able to move the needle of lostness in our communities uh, because we just have a lack of being able to cons- keep a consistent focus on the gospel, right? I don't take it seriously because I lack the ability to consistently think of gospel things. I lack the ability to take it seriously because I lack the ability to consistently um, keep the implications of the gospel in front of me, and I lack that ability because my life is so consumed with so many other things. And so it might be doubt, it might be neglect, it might be ignorance, but honestly, I think if, if we're transparent, if I'm transparent with myself, if, if you're transparent with yourself, I think this is probably where most of us land, especially here in America. We lack an ability to keep a consistent focus on the gospel because we're just consumed with so many other things. Are we so consumed with the things that are right in front of us that we neglect to look at the things that should be right in front of us, right? Because as we look in scripture uh, and as we have these serious conversations, maybe once a month or, or once a year for some of us, right? I, don't, I think that if we're honest with ourselves, we, we agree this is the conversation that's most important. This is the conversation we should be having on a regular basis, but it seems like Uh, the thing that's consistently in front of us uh, is bills. It's our kids, it's our jobs, it's our sports, it's our careers, it's our families, it's our success, right? And we we sacrifice the gospel for all those things. We sacrifice headspace with the gospel for headspace with all those things. And it's not that all those things are inherently bad, right? Uh, It's not that all those things are the end-all, be-all, and we should never think about those things. We should never think about our family. We should never think about our careers. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is when we start to let those things take up space in our minds where the gospel should be prevalent, then we run into an issue, right? Because now I'm I'm, I'm worried about the things that I can experience. I'm worried about the things that are tangible. I'm worried about the things that are right in front of me as opposed to the things that are coming, as opposed to the things that matter the most, right? And it's a, it's a reality that we're going to struggle with because that's, that's what our culture's built around. Our culture's built around the right here, the right now, and what it means for you and to making sure that you can maximize the 80 uh, to 90 years that you get to spend on this earth, right? And so I think it's a headspace neglect uh, with all of those other things because it's a, it, it, I, I think that those three questions are not disconnected from this fourth question. If we ask this fourth question, I think it'll lead us to the first three questions, right? Is it neglect? Because if I'm neglecting to pay attention to the gospel, if I'm neglecting to ask myself if I can move the needle of lostness, uh, th- then I'm going to doubt, right? If it's not taking up my headspace, then I'm going to doubt because I'm not going to see those things that are right in front of me. If, if, it's, if it's being consumed with other things, I'm probably going to neglect because I'm not looking at those things, right? I, I'm not looking at the gospel things because I'm so busy worried about the things that are temporary and that are right in front of me. And if I'm not letting, it, if I'm not letting the gospel have headspace in my life, in my heart, and in my mind, uh, then yeah, I'm probably going to be ignorant and I'm probably going to leave other people ignorant 
because I'm not dealing with those conversations. So I think at the end of the day, the fourth question, the one that I think is most fair to us, uh, that has implications on the first three questions, is are you giving it the consistent attention in your life uh, that you should be giving it? Because ultimately, I think that's where a lot of our problems stem from, right? We just get so short-sighted. And I think it's probably all these things uh, uh, that lead us to that place, but I think if we ask that last question, it'll reveal to us that, man, We're leaving so much on the table because we're so concerned with so many other things that are going on around us. And so, how, how, okay, so if that's the problem, how do we combat that, right? That's the problem, um, and I think that you'll probably land somewhere in the realm of even subcategories with those four questions, right? And, And those are the problem that we face in our life all stemming from sin, right? But how do we combat that is the question that we need uh, to ask for us to answer and start moving the needle in that conversation. And honestly, I think that it's like any conversation we have, right? Anytime we see a problem in our life, I think um, the first thing that we have to do is acknowledge that there's a problem, right? It's so easy for us uh, just because we're prideful people. I know I'm a, I'm a prideful person more often than I'd like to admit at times. Um, and so it's so easy for me to deny the problems ever there so I never get to the place where I have a solution to that problem. And so I think, honestly, the first thing we do to combat this is say, hey, I'm acknowledging that this is an issue and that the gospel's not taking up the time in my life that it needs to be taking up, that God's word is not in my heart because I'm not spending time with God in his word, that, that thoughts about Jesus are never entering my head because I never spend time with Jesus in prayer to see what he wants for me next in light of all this. And so honestly, how do we combat this? Um, we have to get over the fact that, that we are struggling and that we do have an issue with having, having God uh, honoring conversations and having gospel conversations. And then, then it becomes, okay, uh, honestly, if, if that's true and I get over that, then what is my goal? Right, okay, I acknowledge I have a problem. What's my goal? What is my goal with, with moving um, the needle of lostness as a follower of Jesus? What's my job as a follower of Jesus? What does Jesus require of me? What does Jesus want me to do? What should a Christian be doing with their lives? Those are the questions that we should be asking. Those are the questions that are going to lead us to seeing our communities start to know Jesus. Those are the questions that are going to, that are going to lead us to us just stopping getting frustrated because unchristian people did unchristian things and starting to get serious about the fact that it's, it's our job to love those people, be gracious to those people, and lead those people to a Jesus that they don't know yet. Right? Those are the questions that I think uh, we should be asking. But before we can ask those questions, the biggest implication there is we've got to know who Jesus is. We've got to know what this Jesus guy uh, says. We've got to know who he is before we can ever take seriously uh, the things that we need to do and the things that we need to have conversations with other people about, right? In order for me to be serious about what Jesus wants, I have to know who Jesus is. And so who was Jesus? This is one of the conversations I told you um, I was kind of having with my students and that spurred this, this moment on. But I think honestly, it's a conversation for us as adults, especially in light of us being so nearsighted and dealing so often with the things that are right in front of us. Um, who is Jesus? Right? The first thing I want you to understand, the first thing I have to remind myself is that Jesus is not some fairy tale creature in a story that we read about and stories that we learn and stories that we know that make us feel good. But Jesus was a real person that wore skin and had feelings and emotions just like you and I do. Right? Just as sure as I'm sitting here right now, Jesus sat on a stool, Jesus sat on a bench, and Jesus had conversations with people. Jesus was a real person. But Jesus wasn't just a person. That's what makes Jesus different, right? Jesus was not just a person, but he was the son of God. Jesus was God. And so the the biggest piece to Jesus, right, um, the biggest two pieces to Jesus is that he wore skin just like you and me. He was as real as you and I are. 
in that he was the son of God and knew what heaven looked like because he spent time in heaven and is with God in heaven right now, right? And that's so important because um, him being who he is is the whole reason we get to have this conversation about being a Christian, right? He bridged that gap between you and me and a holy God who we couldn't have a relationship with, right? So who is Jesus? That's the first thing we need to understand. We need to understand that he is God and that he's a human just like me and you who was a real person in history that really did these things, that really touched and impacted the lives of people, that really healed people, that really walked with people, that really loved people, right? Jesus was a real person um, who was not foreign to the things that he's asking of us. And then once we understand who he is, right, that's when it starts to change who we are. Once we understand who Jesus was, it should start to change who I am. If I truly believe in who Jesus was, now it's going to have an impact on my actions because he was more than just a human, and he was God, but he was God so that he could die for your sins. So if I understand who Jesus was, and I believe that, I understand the implications of that are, man, this guy died for me because I could not. He ransomed me when I had no other way uh, to pay a debt before a holy God, right? So I understand who he is and I understand what that means for me and now it changes me. And I don't think that's a foreign thing uh, for us too. In fact, one of the, 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 we are gonna dive into some scripture right now and the conversation that I want us to look at is a conversation between Jesus uh, who's wearing skin and other people who are wearing skin, right? His disciples. And it's gonna be one of their first encounters. And I think, man, if we ever wonder what it looks like to just go back to square one and take seriously uh, the gospel conversation, take seriously the person of Jesus and the impact he should have on our lives, let's just go look at the life that he lived and let's look at the conversations that he had with other people. And so that's what we're gonna do. The first little passage uh, right here is in Matthew chapter four, verses 18 through 20. And it's really cool. I I want you to kind of, as I read this, I want you to kind of not so much think of the setting that's right in front of you, not so much think of um, what it looks like for you at your local beach, but I want you to try to take your mind over to uh, the Middle East and picture this scene in your head. Here's what it says, Matthew chapter four, verses 18 through 20. It says, as he was walking along the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who's called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Follow me, he told them, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately, they left their nets and followed him. You know, I always thought this was like a weird passage in scripture, um, and, and I always wondered, man, like what was it about them, about Jesus that made them just like abandon everything, right? Because they did abandon everything. We're not just talking about a stroll off the beach for a little while and then they're right back to fishing. We're talking about leaving your livelihood in pursuit of this guy who you just met. And so it's really fascinating conversation. Jesus calls Peter and Andrew, he says, Simon, uh, Andrew, follow me. And then they say, okay, I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna follow you. But I don't even know that they fully understood what all that entailed yet. I know in the immediate, they knew that at the very least it meant leaving their jobs and their livelihood behind. They knew that, okay, if I'm gonna follow this guy, it means giving up everything that I know, everything that I'm comfortable with and and, and pursuing after him uh, with everything that I've got. And it really wasn't uncommon back then, right? Because there was rabbis and they would ask other uh, intelligent people who they thought had a, a shot at also being a rabbi to follow them. And so a lot of these rabbis and religious leaders, they had followers. So it wasn't super uncommon. But what is uncommon is a rabbi going up to a fisherman and saying, hey, you, Mr. Ordinary, you're the guy that I want to follow me. And so they do. They leave their livelihood. They left their career, um, the, their only financial means. And they say, okay, we're gonna follow this Jesus guy. And the other thing it meant to follow Jesus, the second thing, right, when you say follow me, when Jesus was telling them follow me, he also said, hey, I want you to come 
with me everywhere that I go. I want you to go into every house that I go into. I want you to be a part of every meal that I have. I want you to be a part of every interaction um, that I take place in in the community. And I want you to watch the way that I live my life. Every prayer time that I take place in, I want you to see how that works. Every time I spend with, uh, time with God reading scripture, my father, I want you to see how all those things work, work. And so the first thing they understood was, man, it means leaving my career, but now it means a complete life change and pivot, right? Now I've got to do everything that Jesus does. Those are the implications uh, to being a follower of Jesus the first time he asked them to. And so it's fascinating, right? They get it. They get that following Jesus means giving up all their comfortabilities that are in the way, uh, anything that would take away from time spent with Jesus, they're leaving those things behind, and it's a complete life change in a pursuit of everything that Jesus did, from the conversations he had, the way that he talked, uh, to the interactions that took place, right? Complete pivot in the way that they were living their lives to the way that they're living their lives now as they follow this guy named Jesus. And what makes this so interesting is if we fast forward, um, you get a little glimpse of of, of maybe uh, in another interaction, the glimpses of an interaction with the same guy, with Peter and Jesus, but maybe even a little encouragement in the middle of this conversation because we realized they didn't have it figured out. And if anybody was good at realizing that they didn't have it figured out and helping us realize that, uh, it was Peter. And so when you fast forward uh, to their relationship with Jesus, we get to a place in Mark chapter, or chapter 8, verse 31, and this is that passage. It says, Then he began to teach them that it was necessary for the Son of Man to suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and scribes. Be killed and rise after three days. He spoke openly about this. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Imagine rebuking Jesus. Just That's, that's in the Bible. Imagine that. Um, but turning around and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. You are not thinking about God's concerns, but human concerns. Honestly, rebuking Jesus went about how any of us would expect it to go, right? Get behind me, Satan, is what he gets told. And then he says, calling the crowd along with his disciples, he said to them, if anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life because of me and the gospel will save it. For what does it benefit someone to gain the whole world and yet lose his life? What can anyone give in exchange for his life? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. This is a fascinating passage, right? There's several things that, that like jump out to me uh, in light of this passage, and we're gonna get to the thing that I want you guys to see, but there's a couple things that, I, again, like when we read scripture, I want you guys to like think of this not as something that may have happened or may not have happened, a cool story, like a parable, because this isn't a parable. This is a real situation that happened. And it starts off, uh, this fascinating conversation starts off with Peter, and you see Peter's humanity. And because Peter's been spending time with this guy that he decided to follow, decided to live his life after, decided to love, right? And this guy, Jesus, starts telling Peter and the other disciples, hey, I'm going to die, and I'm going to be rejected by these people, and this is how it's going to happen. And this is what needs to happen, right? And immediately, you see Peter's humanity. You see Peter's heart, because he, he gets emotional, right? It, he gets so emotional, he doesn't want to hear about his friend Jesus dying, so much so that he says, he, he pulls him aside, I don't know what the conversation was, but he rebukes him. Right? Like he's got the audacity to rebuke the guy who claims to be the son of God and has done miracles all over uh, the, the local population that they're a part of, right? And so he pulls him aside and he's just got this genuine affection for him, becomes emotional and says, hey, I don't wanna hear you talk about the fact that you're gonna be disliked and have to die. That's not the things that we need to be talking about. And then it's fascinating because you see Jesus' response to Peter. 
A lot of times we like to look at it and say, oh yeah, Jesus called Peter Satan, and we like to get hung up there, but I wanna look at why, right? I wanna look at why Jesus had such a, a brash response to Peter, um, and it's pretty cool because um, what he says is he says that, Peter, my mission is far greater than your comfortability. I know that you love me. I know that you have emotions. I know that we've got a relationship, but I need, what I need you to understand, what I need you to know is that I've got a mission and it's far greater than any comfortability you wanna experience, right? Think about that fourth question we asked. Think about that fourth question that entailed all those things that we're super comfortable with that help us neglect the gospel conversations. I think that's exactly what's happening to Peter right now. In the middle of everything Peter's already seen, he gets really comfortable and really affectionate toward Jesus, so much so that he's like, man, I don't want to see you die. And he completely, completely neglects the whole reason Jesus is there in the first place, because he's going to die. He's going to give himself for a world that doesn't know him, but loves him. It's fascinating, because basically Jesus' answer is, you're not thinking about God's concerns. You're thinking about your concerns. You're being selfish in this moment, and you're jeopardizing gospel conversations because of a comfortable life that you want to live with good relationships. More or less, that's what Jesus turns around and rebukes Peter right back with. He says, you're not thinking about the right things. You're not thinking about the things that matter. And then he, he kind of sees this, and then the passage says he sees that his disciples are watching this conversation unfold. And so he turns around, uh, because everyone sees this unfold, and he says, if anyone wants to follow after me, here's what it looks like. And this is one of my favorite passages in Scripture, because it says, if anyone wants to follow me, he's got to deny himself and take up his cross. He's got to deny himself. That's exactly what he just told Peter. Hey, you've got to get over yourself if you truly want to be a follower of me. Because to be a follower of me means to put kingdom things first, means to put a relationship with me first, and things that you want that are in the way of that, those things all have to come second. You've got to deny yourself. You've got to deny the things that you want. Uh, hobbies, sin, uh, all those things mixed in, right? Those are things that you cannot bring into the equation when it comes to having a relationship with me. I've got to take precedence. You've got to deny yourself. And then he says the second thing, which I love. He says, and take up your cross and follow me. See, in that culture, right, they, they were around Romans and they knew that the Roman cross meant death. And so what Jesus is telling them is, hey, you've got to deny yourself. You've got to give up those things that you want. But the other thing you've got to be willing to do is die to yourself. You've got to be able to die to the reality that you're going to want things, that you're going to, that you're going to try to do things that are in opposition to the things that I want for you, those sinful things. You've got to die to those things. You don't have to die literally, but the old you, we've got to, get, we've got to, we've got to work on that. We've got to push past that. While we're wearing skin, uh, we're going to mess up and we're going to make mistakes. But Jesus is telling Peter, hey, you need to pick up your cross to follow me, right? To, to pursue me, it's gonna be denying yourself and dying to the things that you want that are in opposition to me. And then this is the last thing that he says that kind of jumps out. The last thing um, that he says to Peter and the disciples, um, the last thing that Peter says um, to, to the most spiritual person uh, that ever lived in this the conversation they're having, he said, what you need to understand is that a pursuit of me is an abandonment of everything else that gets in the way. That's what Jesus wants Peter and his disciples. That's what Jesus wants Peter, his disciples, and the rest of the crowds to understand. To follow me means an abandonment of everything else that's gonna get in the way of me, right? We've got to be able to put those things aside because we believe these things are real and those are the things that we take seriously, right? That's why I started the conversation with, we can't ever get to this place if we just keep thinking that Jesus is a genie in a bottle, some spiritual guy uh, that maybe lived, maybe didn't, really never had an impact on anybody's life. Because if we keep believing those things, we're never gonna lay down our things. 
We're never going to abandon the things that are taking up our time and our affection away from the person of Jesus because that's where it needs to be. And so if we want to see multiplication growth, we can't be satisfied with a mind that's set on things uh, that we can see and feel and consume all of our time, right? If we really want to be serious, like Chip asked us about moving the needle of lostness in our community, we can't let our time and our affection keep being taken up by things that ultimately don't matter. We've got to let the majority of our time, the majority of our affection be taken up and owned by Jesus. That is when we're going to start being serious about moving the needle of lostness in our communities. That is when we're going to start seeing and experiencing growth like the church in India has, right? Like the people who have been willing to put down uh, the things that are temporary and just lean into the most important mission they see, the most important mission they think has ever existed, uh, the mission to share the gospel with the world. And Jesus is trying to get them to understand the same thing uh, he's trying to get us to understand. That's just not what he's about, but who he is. We've got to wrap our heads around that. That is when we're going to move the needle of lostness in our community. And that's what I want to see done. That's what I want to see done in Lake City. That's what I want to see done in Live Oak. That's what I want to see done in Ocala. And that's what I want to see everywhere uh, that those of you online have an opportunity to have influence, right? We realize the cool thing about online is we get our local context, uh, but then we get those of you who are watching sometimes all over the country, other times in other countries, uh, and other times in big populations of the state, right? We understand that you guys have your own communities, and if you guys are serious about this, then you've got an opportunity to move, uh, to move lostness and the needle of lostness uh, in your context as well. And that's the thing that's been on my heart. That's what I wanted to share with you guys in this cast, uh, Campus Pastor Sunday. Uh, that's the thing that, that I want to be prevalent in our minds as we start getting serious about the days and the weeks and the months and the years ahead of us. Because honestly, at the end of the day, we get a short time to spend on this earth to have an impact so that other people can experience an eternity with Jesus, the one who loved them, the one who laid themselves down for him. And so maybe this week the actionable step for you is make a list of all those things that seem to consume your thoughts, right? Or maybe even do it this way. Uh, a lot of times what we do with fasting is um, uh, we don't eat something, and, and what that does is it reminds us every time I'm hungry, I'm going to pray. Or I give something up, and every time I want to go back to that thing, I pray. Maybe that's a great way for us to do that. Maybe if you don't know what that thing that you need to give up is, uh, maybe start giving things up and, and seeing how serious you are about those things and watching how often they enter your mind. And instead of using your time uh, and allowing it to be consumed with those things, allow it to be time spent with Jesus. Maybe that's a great practice for us to kind of get started. But um, there's several of those things I would love to hear, maybe some ideas that you have about, about shifting our perspective and moving that conversation. Drop them in the comments. Uh, let me know what you think. But I also want you to know that maybe if you've been struggling with this conversation, this is something you've realized about yourself like I have, um, we've got a live prayer option available for you to just have somebody to pray with you. Right? One of the toughest things about pulling ourselves out of these situations is realizing we need to be pulled out, but we don't know how. Uh, and that's where community is such a cool tool uh, and a cool thing that we get to use. So if you're on Facebook, we'll have a link to that that'll drop again. If you're on the online platform, don't hesitate to click that request live prayer button. It'll send you into a private chat where you can have a conversation with somebody who can just pray for you if this is a place that you feel like you're finding yourself in. But let me pray for you, uh, and, and then we'll kind of get you with a recap, and we'll get out of here today. Jesus, thank you so much um, that your word is just full of practical, and your word is full of spiritual, and your word um, has not neglected to show us the things that you want us to know. And Father, what you want us to know is that the gospel should reign supreme in our lives. The gospel should be the most important thing in our life. The message that you loved us and died for us should be the thing um, that takes precedence across every thought uh, and every word that should come out of our mouth, Father. We love you and we praise you. And I pray that you would just encourage us and that you would convict us this week um, and this month and in these years to come um, that it is the most important thing and, and that we need to lay down our preferences for your mission. 
We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.